0: All right. Good to see you all here. We are in the book of John. Um, if you would turn there, if you haven't already, John chapter four. And uh, we are, we are going to be talking about um, this unwelcoming welcome that Jesus receives uh, from his very own people, his, his hometown, his community. And, and we're going to talk about the implications of that and, and really what's going on in the hearts of people. But, but you and I need to be aware as we, as we do that, that, that we can see ourselves there as well. That maybe you and I have, have given Jesus an, an unwelcoming welcome at times. That it's like, oh yeah, welcome, you're here. And we really don't care and don't want him. Unless we have a need or something that comes up, right? Something arises and like, oh, I have a need, now I need Jesus. Instead of saying, I just need Jesus all the time. So we're going to look at that today and uh, it is continuing on in the series written so that you might believe and that is based on John chapter 20 verse 31 as we harmonize the gospel accounts right Matthew Mark Luke and John uh, what that means is that we're going through that scripture as chronologically as we can it's not really written that way. Uh, it's written to different audiences at different times for different reasons. So it's gonna be a little bit of hopping around and wondering, wait, which came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know, we just have faith, right? We trust. But we're gonna see this, this um, unfolding as the Messiah has come. And we've seen uh, him authenticate himself. We've seen John the Baptist uh, who came before Christ authenticate him as the Messiah. So we continue to see Jesus on scene as the Messiah and proving himself to be so and saying that he is that. And our most recent sermon uh, sermons in this uh, series were I think last February and you can find our content online. You can go get uh, the sermon series there and, and catch up if you'd like to, to or go back and, and re, uh, refresh. But we looked at the woman at the well and, and what happened with her and Jesus's conversation and that he revealed himself as the Messiah to her. This was like the, a public, yes, I am the Messiah. And then she goes away like knowing Jesus in a, in a new way and she goes and tells everybody and there's this huge conversion that happens uh, in the city and the town around that uh, Samaria and it's, it's just an amazing thing that occurs. And then Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to leave there and I'm going to go down to my own Country. I'm going to go to Galilee now, where I'm from. That's kind of my stomping grounds. And we see this contrast of what has occurred. We'll see that today as we work through. But when we talk about the gospels being presented, what the overarching goal of the gospels as they are written for you and I, we see that in John chapter 20, verse 31, and it says this. But these are written. What are written? These accounts of the Lord Jesus, right? These are written. They're given to you and I to read, to study, to to learn from. They're written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. That's the whole purpose. And that's why we we call this series the Harmony of the Gospels, but really the series title is Written So That You May Believe. And, And we have to hold on to that, that this is given to us, that we might believe in who Jesus is. Not some facsimile of the, uh, of the thought of who Jesus is, not, not our own preferences, not just a, 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 a different image or a, or a shadow, but actually see Jesus for who he is and for what he has done for you and I, and then we would have faith that leads to life in Jesus Christ. So that, that's the goal. And as we look through this today, we'll see that being the goal of Christ as he confronts people, but it should be the goal of the text for you and I to look at our own heart and say, what, what's going on here? What's happening here? It's interesting when we talk about Jesus coming back to his home, it was prophesied about what would happen. And I want to read John chapter 1. You can stay here or flip over if you want, but John chapter 1 said this about Jesus. It says he was in the world and the world uh, was created through him. Right? We're talking about God incarnate was in the world and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. You talk about an unwelcoming welcome. It goes on, though. There's encouragement. There's, there's joy here. It says, But to all who did receive him, to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who would believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or man, but born of God. There's this amazing contrast that some will receive and some will not. They will reject. And what it means to really come to faith is not coming to faith in Jesus for what he might give you, or do for you but what he has already done for you i'm going to pray and then we're going to read our text together in john chapter 4 let's pray father we thank you so much that you have given us your word and that god it is written so that we might believe that you are the messiah the son of god and that by believing we might have life in your name god it's not just a book of wisdom or God, a, a, a sample of how we might live our lives best although it is those things but god it should point us to you in humility That we would come to you not not with an unwelcoming welcome, but come to you receiving who you are as Lord and Savior, that you've atoned for our sin, you've made a way for us to be right with God and and to live eternally with him. We thank you for that. God, today as we open up your word, may our hearts and minds be open. May we be receptive to your Holy Spirit as it moves within us and moves among us. God, we ask that you would convict us of sin and move us to a place of repentance and faith, that we would deepen our relationship with you, and God, that we would, we would look like those who believe in the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that we have life because of him. We thank you, we praise you, we give you this time in Christ's name, amen. All right, so we're in John chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 43 through, uh, through 54, 43 through 54, which is the end of the chapter. So we we talked about him being in Samaria, and then it says in verse 43, After two days, uh, he left there for Galilee. Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his home country. When they entered Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen everything he he had done in Jerusalem during the festival, for they had also gone to the festival. He went again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son, uh, was was ill at Capernaum when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea and Galilee he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son since he was about to die Jesus told him unless you people see signs and wonders you will not believe sir the official said to him come down before my boy my boy dies go Jesus told him your son will live The man believed what Jesus said to him, and he departed. While he was still going down, his servants met him, saying that his boy was alive. He asked them at what time he got better. Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him, they answered. The father realized this was about the very hour which Jesus had told him, your son will live. So he himself believed along with his whole household. Now this was also the second sign Jesus performed after he came from Judea or uh, in Galilee to Galilee. All right, so this is our text for today, and we're going we're to gonna kind of cruise through it. We're breaking it apart into kind of three sections today, but we're looking at this, this unwelcoming welcome, this unwelcoming welcome. And, and, and as Jesus is there, he, he understands that, that he's not really welcome, and they don't really like him. They don't really want him for who he is. So what we're going to find as we, as we trek through this, we're going to see uh, a crisis of faith, we're going to see some confidence in faith as it's tested. Uh, we're going to see a faith confirmed, and then we're going to see a contagious faith. And those are kind of the, the, the themes throughout uh, the, the three areas we're looking at today, okay? So in, in this uh, sermon today, un, an unwelcoming welcome. Number one is this. We see uh, an unbelief exposed, that Jesus exposes unbelief. We go back to our text today. Um, just before this, I want to read verses 39 through 42 because he's leaving Samaria, which was not his homeland, and, and turning now to his own stomping grounds. So what had happened in Samaria? What just happened here? Uh, and again, this was the woman at the well, and then they, that she shared the gospel. And, and here's, here's what it looked like here uh, in verse 39 of John 4. It said, Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman had said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did, right? So she comes with this testimony saying, he, he's amazing, he's, he's more than a prophet, he's the Messiah. Not only did he tell me what he did, uh, he told me that he was the one who could forgive sin and he was the one to be worshiped. So she spreads this news and they're, they're in awe. What did she not say? She, she didn't say, I couldn't believe all the miracles he performed, I couldn't believe how he did this and did that. He, she came back and said, this is the Messiah who can forgive sin, right? This is what is, is being shared, So when the Samaritans came to him, this is verse 40, they came to him, right? uh, And they asked him to stay with with them, and he stayed there for two days. He stayed there for two days. Doing what? What was he? We don't know. It doesn't say, right? But we get a little inkling here from the next verse. He stayed with them for two days. And it said then in verse 41, many more believed because of what he said. So what did he do there for two days? He preached. He talked. He took out the scriptures and said, Look at who I am. It all points to me, I'm the Messiah, I can forgive sin. He he might have done a miracle there. But what does it say about their belief? Where did their belief come from? He said, Say there many more believe because of what he said, what he told them about who he was as he revealed himself to them. And they told the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, although we, we believe all that. But now we've heard for ourselves and we know. We know that this is really the Savior of the world. What had they gained? Had their dead come back to life? Had their infirmities been healed? It doesn't say that. They had gained the Messiah. They had gained the treasure that is Christ himself. The beautiful one we sang about earlier. This is what they gained. Not some amazing wonder, but the wonder that is Christ so then we pick up in verse 43, he, he leaves there for Galilee. And Jesus himself had testified that a prophet was, has no honor in his home country. No honor, no glory, no revering there. It's not just like, I'm not respected. And think about this in, in your home, home area. If, if you had a major league baseball player or a football player or some amazing, uh, uh, maybe a, a movie actor or actress that grew up in your hometown, right? Like think about this, uh, uh, Seahorn, right? Jason Seahorn, is that Right. He, he he was he he played at mount shasta high school right he was ultimately on the new york giants right and probably other teams too but he was this famous football player and when when we got the conversation about that with people what did we say oh yeah yeah that's jason he's from my town right he wasn't really a he was a big deal but it wasn't that big of a deal cuz we we're, we're all his his folk his people right you you see how it happens like we we kind of take this person who is actually really good at something and people are like whoa that's a, he's amazing and we, we kind of lower them down because we're elevating ourselves to be like on the same level. Like, oh, yeah, bounce shouts to home, and, yeah, home, home guy. He's, he's our guy. We do that. And, and that's why Jesus is kind of without honor in his home country. Like, we know you. You're the carpenter's son. Yeah, you did some cool things and signs and wonders. In fact, we want to see some more of that. But, but wait a minute. This Messiah thing, this God thing. I mean, we, we saw you running around getting dirty and playing. You played with the neighbor kids. We know you. Even his own family rejected him, right? Like, what are you doing? You're, you're kind of crazy here. There were times that his, his brothers and sisters came and said, show us show us who you are, like reveal this to everybody, not just be quiet about this because we want, we want like the word to get out, but, we, but it says they didn't believe, right? His, his hometown didn't believe. Well, he's without honor there. Well, it's, it's weird what goes on. Let's keep going here. He says, he, he prophesied, he said uh, that, that uh, a prophet has no honor in his home country, but then when they entered Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen everything he did in Jerusalem during the festival. For they would also gone to the festival. Well, this is interesting. Jesus just prophesies and says a prophet will be without honor, unwelcome in his own home country. And what's the next line say? They welcomed him. Well, is it the same, though? This is, this is what I'm saying. When It's, it's the unwelcoming welcome. It's like, of course, Jesus, we yeah, yeah, you're doing great things. That's awesome. Come on, come on. Let's You're back here, though. You're at home now. We can kind of rub elbows and laugh about some of that stuff. We don't have to be, and here, here's what it was. We don't have to be in total awe of you because we know you. And see, that the honor here is that glory that's due, not just, oh, I, I'm respected. They weren't giving him the glory that was due the Son of God. They, they welcomed them, though. It was, hey, Jesus, he's my, he's my, literally, literally, he's my homeboy, right? From my hometown. That's how they treated Jesus. There's this crisis of faith happening there, right? From people who just heard from Jesus that he's the Messiah and received him as such, and now to his own people who are like, uh, no, we aren't, yeah, okay, you can keep talking about that to the Samaritans, Jesus, but we know you, we grew up with you, we respect you, do some miracles for us. They were treating Jesus as a, as a circus sideshow, is what they were treating Jesus as. In fact, it goes on in verse 46. So there's this crisis of faith happening. It says uh, they had gone to the festival, right? And then, then again, he went to Cana of Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. He'd already done a miracle. Although this miracle was very private. It wasn't a huge public thing. It was private to his own disciples. But I'm sure word got around a little bit. Like Jesus can do something and interesting. And that wine was pretty good. So let's talk to him. Well, and then there was a, royal, a certain royal official here. So someone comes up whose, whose son was ill at Capernaum. And, and when this man had heard that Jesus came from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and he pleaded with him to come down and heal his son because he was about to die. What's he seeking after? A sign, right? A wonder. He, he, wants, he wants a miracle here. Jesus, do this miracle. Come down. Let me see you in action. We know you can do it. Let, we've seen you do other things. Come down and do this. And Jesus responds and he rebukes. See, he, this is this unbelief being exposed. Here's what he says. He says, Unless you people, and, and he, he's lumping in the, the this royal official, he's lumping in the, the Galileans who are there who are who are kind of unwelcomingly welcoming him. He says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. That's all, all you want is for me to do something for you. All you want is me to take care of this little thing or these circumstances in your life. Uh, and Jesus is it, like, I'm here for more than that. You, this life, whether I heal you or not, will end. What, what are you going to do then are the questions that could be asked, right? So there's this kind of receiving of Jesus that really has no true honor for his person in it, right? It's just an interest in his signs and his wonders. We, see this, we saw this early on in John chapter 2. It said he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival. So this is what they had seen, right? Uh, and many believed in his name when he, they saw him doing signs and wonders. And if you remember the sermon from, I mean, the last year, right? But probably February or January, we, we talked about Jesus being there and, and he's, he's doing signs and wonders. And it said, many believed. But Jesus, however, it says in verse 24 of chapter two, he, however, would not entrust himself to them since he knew them all and because he did not need anyone to testify about man for he himself knew what was in man. Here's what this means. They believed because he was wowing them with signs and wonders. He was actually caring about people. But they were wowed. And, and they believed. And, and they, be, oh, wow, he, he, you're, you're a miracle worker. They, but what did Jesus say about their belief? He, he, here's what, they believed, but he didn't believe in their belief. That's what it says. He didn't entrust himself, he, I, he didn't believe them. Although they believed him, he didn't believe them. He didn't believe in their belief. Because it was for something that he could do for them, it was about a sign and a wonder. Now, again, before we continue on here, I want you to know I'm, I'm not against miraculous things happening. Jesus does miraculous things because he's the wondrous one, because he's the beautiful one, because he's the miraculous one, because he's the king of kings and lord of lords. He is not a circus sideshow that we pay him a fee or if we do the right things and get ourselves in line, he'll, he'll bless us with some, some action, and and help our circumstances get better, whether it's bi- physically or whether it's financially. And it, it's it's not that we come to Jesus for rest because we're sinful and we need to be forgiven, and that's the most miraculous thing. In fact, we see this in John, or in, sorry, Matthew chapter twelve. The uh, interesting passage here: some of the scribes and Pharisees told, told him, Jesus, teacher, we we want to see a sign from you. Like, hey, do do some more signs, more signs, more signs, right? He answered them, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign. Right? He's saying he's exposing unbelief. The wickedness inside of our hearts is what drives us to say, Jesus, I need something from you. I need to see a sign. He says, No sign will be given except. Oh, okay, well, this is good. There, there's a sign. Except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Well, this is weird. What, what's he mean by that? He says, For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Whoa. This, is, this should be shocking to them. This, and, and it was. And this should be shocking for you and I. When we seek after what Jesus can do for me instead of what he has done for us and what he came to do for us, we miss out on who Jesus is. What did he, what he say? He said, What is the sign that he, he came to, to fulfill? The sign of Jonah. He said, listen, I came to die. I'm going to die and I'm going to be buried. But after three days, what? I'm going to be hurled from the earth because I'm going to rise victoriously, conquering Satan, sin, and death once and for all. Is there, is there hallelujah because of that? Right? He's, he's dying to conquer death so that you and I can live. He's not here to heal our infirmity and then walk away. He's here to take care of our heart. That's his first priority. Does he do those things? Absolutely he does. Are there times he doesn't? Absolutely there are times he doesn't. But he is always available to forgive your sin. He's always available as the only one who can give life because he died and rose victoriously, conquering death. That, that's what we see. And so he, he goes on. He says, that's the sign that I'll be in the heart of the earth for three nights. Like the, There's going to be a death and a resurrection going to happen. That's the sign you should be watching out for. In fact, they eventually, he said that so many times and said he was a Messiah so many times, they eventually are the ones who kill him. Oddly enough, right? Why? Because they wanted him to be something else. The men of Nineveh, he, so he goes on and keeps talking. He says, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Interesting when you hear that. So this generation, let's just call that us. So he's saying the men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment, at like at the final judgment seat. They're going to say, he's going to say these, these are going to, people are going to testify, like you didn't see it. What in the world were you thinking? That's what they're going to be doing. Well, they're going to testify, right? Uh, because they repented at Jonah's preaching, right? So Jonah came and said, "You better repent. You better turn to the, turn to my, the mighty God, or else you're going to be dead meat." They're like, okay, we hear you. We repent. God is God. We serve him. We want him. And it wasn't, it was Jonah, just a prophet of God. It wasn't Jesus before them. And it goes on, it says, so they repented and and, uh, Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. Something greater than Jonah is here. He was, he was, Jesus was saying this. What was greater? Him and him dying goes on he says the queen of the south will will rise up at the judgment so this is the queen of sheba this is who came to solomon wanting all this kind of kinds of wisdom like there was this apologetic seminar basically solomon put on about god and about humanity and about wisdom and she came and she learned right so so it says she's going to rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it what were you thinking it's all right in front of you because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of solomon and look Something greater than Solomon is here. See, Jesus is not a sideshow. He's not a circus act. He's not something that we can go to as a genie in the bottle and get something from. He's the Messiah who came to live and to die and and to, to rise victoriously from death so that you and I could be forgiven of our sin. So that they're going to stand and condemn this generation. So, are you condemned? Are you seeking after Jesus because of signs and wonders? Are you seeking after Jesus for what he can bring and give you? Am I condemned because I'm doing that? Am I believing, an inferior, believing in an inferior Jesus? Or am I believing in the greater one? The one who's greater than the wisdom of Solomon. Greater than the prophet Jonah's preaching. The one that's greater because he's the one who actually took my shame on that cross, so that I might have life. Not life to the fullest just here, but life and life eternally with him. These are written that we might believe that he's the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, we might have a good budget in his name. Healed infirmities in his name. No, life, real life, because everyone's walking dead until they come and meet Jesus. And he brings life. How we welcome Jesus expresses belief or unbelief. I, I, listen, I know there are seasons in time, and there's, this should be a crisis of faith. There are seasons that we have that are horrible, and they're dark, and they're, sometimes it's like, when are they gonna end? And, and I don't know what, what to expect from this season. And, and, and if we come to Jesus as a circus sideshow, and he's not taking care of the things I need him to take care of in my life, I'm gonna view him as not effective, but I'm, I'm seeing him as a lesser Savior, not a greater Savior, a lesser Savior. See, Jesus wants to be the Savior that that's, transcends our life's circumstances, that transcends our sin. He wants to be the one that can forgive, the one that does forgive, through faith in Jesus Christ. So as we have that crisis of faith, and it's, it really is that, that thing in our heart where we, I don't know, I, I have this unbelief maybe in me that's exposed by Jesus, he should push us now to, to confidence in faith because we're being tested. And that's where we go next, number two. We see in this unwelcoming welcome, Jesus is there, he's, he's what? He's exposed unbelief, and now he's going to test unbelief. He's gonna test it. Remember he said, he said, this man heard about Jesus, he came to, uh, to Judea and Galilee, and he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son since he was about to die. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading that, it almost, as it comes out of my mouth, it sounds like I'm taking that lightly. Th- this is probably the most emotional thing a father could go through right? My son is about to die. Like this is a royal a, a, a official, a royal official, probably maybe even in Herod's, Herod's court. He can come down and say, listen here, Messiah, I'm, I'm part of that. You're going to do this. No, he comes down begging, right? Begging the Messiah, heal my son. And Jesus told him, he, he rebuked him and the people watching and listening. Unless you you people, plural, see, unless you see Signs and wonders you will not believe. Unless you what? Unless you see it, you won't believe. That's, they're hungry. I want to see you do something. I want to see some miraculous thing happen. Let's make it happen, Jesus. Unless you see it, you won't believe. Jesus is saying that's a problem. Now, we, we don't have blind faith. I want, to, I want to clear this up. We don't express blind faith in Jesus. We, we have total trust in Jesus. Because they don't see a miracle doesn't mean they don't see who still right there. Who is he eyeball to eyeball with? The Messiah, the only one who can reconcile a person to God, is standing before this man there. And he says, You want to see something different. And if that's the case for you, you're missing it. Because Jesus is eyeball to eyeball, standing right there, saying, Listen, I'm right here. You want to see something else, and, and then you'll believe. He responds back. The, the, the man says to Jesus, Sir, come down before he dies. I don't know how long of a pause there was there. I don't know what Jesus was thinking. There's a couple of assumptions that this, this man is making though, right? That he's, he's begging him to do what? To come down. Which, which means what? He believes that in order for his son to be healed, what? What? He had to be there, right? Jesus had to be present. It's like... Circus sideshow, you can do your magic, wave your wand, over my son, there. The Messiah doesn't need to be there, right? He, doesn't, he, he can be on the other side of the earth and heal his son. So there's, there's a wrong assumption there. And then the other wrong assumption is it's, it's, it's necessary now. You've got to come now. Why? Before he what? Before he dies. And the assumption is what? The circus sideshow only works if he's still alive. Because the circus sideshow certainly couldn't raise somebody from the dead. What Messiah are you believing in? what what, what do you really want? What, who do you really believe in? What are you really believing for? Do you love Jesus for what he can do for you or do you love him for who He is and what he has done for you? It, our, our faith is a journey, folks. It is called progressive sanctification. We are becoming more and more like Jesus, but it goes up and down, and it ebbs and flows, and we have to be careful to guard our heart against this kind of belief, that God is only good, that Jesus is only good if he does what I want him to do for me. Don't you know what he's already done for you? He's died for you. I don't know how long the pause was, but here's what Jesus said. And I think in saying this, he, he not only rebukes his desire for a sign, but he rebukes his, his, his knowledge thinking that Jesus had to be there and that Jesus couldn't do something miraculous like raising from the dead. But he says, go. Go. Your son will live. I don't know how long of a pause there was after this. What he's, he's been begging and pleading, come heal my son. You've got to come. You've got to come. You've got to come. He's sick. And, and Jesus says, Go. No, 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 you know, Jesus, you've got to come. No, go. Your son will live. That's not quite what I was expecting, Jesus. And what do I say now? What, what do I do? Who is this? And I think at that moment, there's this faith that even increases. And, and, and I, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps a little bit, right? Like, this is, this is something different than a circus sideshow. The Messiah has spoken to me and said, go, your son lives. He can either go and believe, or he could argue again. Say, no, 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 Jesus, come on, we're all ready to go. I've packed your lunch, your bags, Let's, we're going, we're, we are going, right? Not, not just me. That's not what he does, is it? What do he say? What do he do? It says, the man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. He believed. He, he, and, I, and I believe he believed he was more than a circus sideshow at that point. I believe he believed Jesus at his word. Jesus did indeed grant the healing, but he refused to go down to Cana. He, he gave the man no sign, right? The man came and, and he rebuked them saying, you want something that you can see? And what did Jesus do? Something you can't see. He'll he'll eventually see it. But Jesus said, go. The only thing he gave the man was his word. He gave him himself. Remember the Samaritans who gathered around Jesus, who kept him there for a couple days and, and talked to him, and they believed why? Because of what Jesus said about who he was. Jesus gave this man his word, And that's what our Savior does for us. It's not blind faith. We see Jesus eyeball to eyeball. We see all the promises fulfilled before Christ and everything pointing to Christ. And yes, we can have a crisis of faith, but there needs to come a time where I have a confident faith. And that confident faith doesn't mean I need to see the end right now, but I've seen everything in the middle and I've seen what it pointed to Jesus the entire time. And I saw Jesus, I met Jesus. So embrace Jesus. We see this in Hebrews Chapter 11, this hall of faith. And in the middle of this, the author says, these these all died in faith, right? These people who lived by faith died in faith, uh, although they had not received the things that were promised. Like Jesus kept saying, there's something greater to come, right? And and the people he's talking about here was the Messiah that was to come. And now now he has come. So they didn't even get to see the Messiah and they believed, right? But they saw from a distance, right? And it greeted them and they confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. It goes back to our, our series, Strangers and Exiles, they knew that we're going to live here, but we, we don't belong here. We belong somewhere else. And by faith, we're going to trust in the, in the God that's going to bring us home safely. They, they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Why? Because of their faith. See, you and I can either be a, a sign seeker or a savior seeker. Just imagine how this man might have responded. And Jesus said, go, your son's going to live. What do you think he about? he thought when he heard those words? What do you, th- what do you think was going through his mind? What, was, what would be going through your mind? The scriptures say that he believed the words that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. He departed. Now he had a confident faith, a faith that didn't need to see a sign or a wonder. That leads us to number three. In this unwelcoming welcome Number three, we see unbelief conquered. So we saw Jesus expose unbelief. We saw, we saw that, that it was tested. And then we see unbelief conquered. Let's look at verses 51 through 54. It says, while he was uh, still going down, his servants, so he's walking back home, his servants met him saying that his boy was alive. He asked them at what time he got better. And yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And the, uh, and the father realized that this was the very hour which Jesus had told him, your son will live so he himself what believed along with who his whole household so there's this crisis of faith that was that added right then then there was a confident faith he's like jesus said it i'm not going to argue i'm going to believe it i don't need to see it i'm going to believe it and he he had this confident faith he walked away and then when he got there or even part way there there was this faith confirmed his faith was confirmed. Oh, this did happen. It happened just as Jesus said it would because we can take him out as what? Word. I don't need to see the sign. I, I can take him out his word. There's this confirmed faith. And then because of that confirmed faith, because of who Jesus is, not Je- what Jesus can do, but who Jesus is and what he has said, that, that becomes contagious. A contagious faith. He believed who? Uh, along, uh, he believed Jesus along with his whole household. Amazing, right? I want to see a short glimmer of this in Daniel. We're done here. If you want to go to Daniel chapter three with me, um, I, I want to just read a quickly a, a passage here. Uh, this was something that really hit, heart, hit, hit to home this week or maybe last week. I, I listened to a podcast, actually shared about this at the Thursday night dinner devotion as well. But man, I, I see this crisis of faith. I see this confident faith. I see a confirmed faith. I see a contagious faith through here as well. I see, I see that people, even, you know, yeah, we, we know our God can do signs and wonders, but even if he doesn't, right, there's this, this whole faith here. So we see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're, we're picking up at verse 19 of Daniel 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, had refused to bow down to the image created for everyone to bow down to. In this pluralistic society, everyone worships all kinds of gods, but, but show that you worship gods by bowing down to this, this thing. I said, no, that's not what we're going to do. We worship the one true God. We will not bow down. And, and when they said they would not bow down, Nebuchadnezzar's anger, it said "Just he was filled with anger. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage. Like he burned with anger. And the expression on his face face changed towards them. He liked them originally, right? It changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times hotter than was customary. Why? Because he burned with anger. And he he commanded some some of the best soldiers to tie them up uh, and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men in their their trousers, robes, and coverings, uh, and and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent, the furnace got extremely hot. Right, and the raging flames killed the men who even carried them up. Right, uh, And these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they were bound, they fell into the furnace of blazing fire. Now before we get to the, the end of the story, just before this, they had said, we will not bow down. That's what made him so angry. We will not bow down. And we know that, that our God is able to rescue us from your hand, O king. Then they, so they, they knew he could do a sign. But then they said, but even if he doesn't, we will still not bow down. Why? Because we know in whom we have believed. We know our God. And although you might be able to kill us by a fiery furnace, we will still live because of his promise. So then the king jumped up in alarm and he said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound in the fire? So he's looking in now and what does he see? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied. He exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. This is called a theophany. This is actually the Lord Jesus in there with them. They're unbound. They're un- unsinged. There's not a hair on their head that is even even out of place. There's no smell of smoke on them, the scriptures will say. Amazing. Their God did show up and rescue them. He, he did do a sign. But that, that was what, not what they were trusting in fully. They trusted in him. And then what's the reaction? So we see the crisis of faith, right? You better bow down or else... Do you really trust God? Yeah, we do. And then it was confirmed when they said, we will not bow down even if he doesn't rescue us, we're still going to go worship him. And then it was confirmed when they were rescued. They actually were rescued. Oh yeah, this is our faith. Our faith is in God. He rescued us. And then it was contagious. Verse 28 says, Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except for their own god, and then he goes on to make this, this um, law. You, this, is the, this is our god. This is who we're going to serve and worship. No one else, because he sees the power of God. It became contagious. He's like, oh, I. Well, now I believe. Well, what what do we get from this, right? Well, uh, if we if we're struggling with unbelief and it's been exposed and it's been tested and and we and now it's now, well, now it's being tested. But it, it, what do we do with this? Unbelief is conquered because. He took, right? Jesus took the greater heat for us. This is what's the most important thing. We are going to face fiery furnaces. We are going to face all kinds of trials in our lives and struggles in our lives. But Jesus faced the cross and the grave for us. So that you, and then he rose victoriously so that you and I might live. In John 11, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, what? Will live that is the promise of the Messiah for you and I. No matter what he does, whatever sign or wonder he does or doesn't do, doesn't matter. This is the sign, the sign of Jonah, that he died and resurrected. And because he lives, even if we die, we will live. So it, maybe you're struggling with unbelief. Maybe you're struggling with, with trying to figure out, God, I, I, just, I just wanted something from you. I wanted you to do something for me. And, and you never have, you never showed up, you never did that. I want to challenge you to to understand that He has showed up for you. He He has given Himself, not just a magic wand sign, not a circus sideshow, He has given Himself for you. That you might believe and have life, right? Because these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, and that by believing, you would have life. In his name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we pray and continue in worship? Father, we thank you so much that you you are the Son of God. You're you are not a circus sideshow. God, you are not some genie in a bottle that we need to to run to and, and, and God that we want to get something from. You gave yourself for us, not just a miracle or a sign or a wonder. You gave yourself and you have offered yourself freely to us who Who really, God, we deserve to be on that cross. We deserve death and separation. But God, you have died so we might be drawn near through your blood. May we embrace you for who you are. Not for what you can give us, but for who you really are as the wondrous one, the glorious one, the beautiful one, as the greatest treasure we could ever have. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.